When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know, non-stop Viking star. It's Purple Daily on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. You like that? You like that? Yeah, well, it's been been a while since we've had uh, a you like that at the end of a Vikings game. It's not much to like about an 0-3 start. They haven't won a game, boys, since like the first week in January. It's been a long time since since we've celebrated a Vikings victory around here. But um, we're your therapists every day here on Purple Daily. Daily Vikings Entertainment and Therapy. Presented by our friends at TCL. No matter what you watch, TCL has award-winning TVs for any budget, any space, all with stunning picture quality. And TCL makes more than just TVs, too. They offer mobile products, audio devices, and home appliances. TCL brings you joy and simplicity through innovative technology. You can learn more at TCL. Dot com. Uh, it's State of the Offense Thursday here. We're going to go through a bunch of different interesting categories, including something offensive line related that I think is going to floor some fans. But Judd, tell the audience where they can commiserate with us on Sunday during that uh, game. That's, uh, that is the uh, Park Tavern in St. Louis Park, right around the corner from me. Yeah, that's right. We're going to be doling out not only the opportunity to watch the Vikings game, not only the opportunity to enjoy great beer, great apps, and great food, but also free therapy. Free therapy, Park Tavern, SLP, located on Louisiana Avenue South. The doors are going to open at 8 a.m. Breakfast served from 8 to 11. After that, uh, they kick into the regular menu around 11 o'clock, we're going to be in the 11th frame and back. Uh, it's also supposed to be gorgeous out, which is awesome because yeah. there is a great patio. Oh, yeah. And there's a ton of TVs out there as well. So there should be plenty of room. We are encouraging people, though, uh, to get there early to make sure that you can get a seat. And then after the game, um, after we're done providing therapy in person, we will also then kick into a vent line, which hopefully can be not therapeutic, but a celebration of the team's first win Dude. in quite a while at the Park Tavern. We should have a therapy couch there. Can we just have one, especially if they lose, my God, if they lose. Dude, that'd be hilariously funny, and it's a great idea. Do they have a couch inside Park Tavern somewhere? They, got, they must that, somewhere, they right? Place is huge. The, they've got to have a couch. Break room. I mean, they have, like, booths, you know, like, they have those those taller, uh, you know, high-rise booths. I feel like booths. we need, I feel like it has to be a couch, like, though, though right? Yeah. It, yeah. It's got to be a couch, I like, always, in front though, of us. Like, when I did therapy, I always stood up. Like, I mean, there was a couch. But I was always I was much more of a like sitting stood on the up. back. You stood up. I didn't. I every time I did, th- I didn't like kick my feet up when I was 
Oh, like, I do. Vent- no, no, no. I never did that. Wait, no, I, but you said you stand up oh, when no, you're at no, therapy. No, it's not stand up. Sorry. I, st- I stood sh- like just normally <laughs> oh, on the couch. Okay. I didn't mean stand just, up. Just standing there and with your hands problems. in your pockets. Yeah. yeah. Just, yeah. just <laughs> Let me tell you something. Here's where I'm at mentally. Park Tavern on Sunday for a watch party and a live Vikings man line. Okay, let's get into the state of the offense here. We'll get to a random Viking. Declan's going to lead us through a random Viking later on here. We'll start with where the Vikings offense ranks in some key categories, and then we'll tell you a state of Kirk Cousins where he ranks in some key categories. And then we got some other categories of note. Where does the Vikings offense rank? Points per game, smack dab in the middle, 15th in the NFL in scoring. But yards per play, they are second in the NFL. So this is they were never top three last year. This is the and by the way, so they're six point two yards per play. The Dolphins are the only team ahead of the Vikings, but they're at eight point four yards per play. <laughs> per play. That includes Same. kneel downs, by the way. So so they're actually averaging like probably nine yards of play when you strip out some of the, you know, like the kneel downs and some of the end of half yeah. stuff. That's insane. So the Vikings are moving the ball. I think if you zoom out to just like the big picture of the first three games, turning the ball over as much as they have, including at least two interceptions on the goal line of the end zone. That's why their points per game aren't quite matching their yards per game. The Chargers game was an indictment though, because of two things red zone inefficiency and third down problems. So, so like, it's great to move the ball, but, but the goal is to probably get to be top five in points. And, you know, the dolphins are scoring a ton. Why? Because their efficiency in key situations is so high on Sunday, on Sunday, the Vikings problems were crystal clear. If you're going to move the ball like that between the twenties or let's say between the tens, that's great, but you got to score. And so that's the one place where, where, Moving the ball and getting lots of yards is great, but the end result has to be positive. And on Sunday, they really stalled. And sorry, but I don't think that was a huge credit to, to like the Chargers. It's not like their defense is great. Like, I didn't watch them and think they are shutting it down. The Vikings have done a lot of things, and this is what's frustrating about this, you guys. The, the Vikings have done so many things differently. And, Phil, as you said, the fumbles is the first one, but to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, well, they've and here's the thing, like to your point, and and there is a red zone category that we will get into more deeply. But let's just take the two that there might have been a third red zone turnover, too. But just like the K.J. Osborne one that bounced kind of off him. And that was an interception or that got kind of ripped away from him. It was tight coverage. And then the Hawkinson one that would have won the game for them last week. If you give them 14 points on those, those are like, right, just kind of bang, bang. They turn into interceptions. You give them 14 points on those. They'd be averaging just under 28 points per game, which would put them tied with the Eagles for the seventh highest scoring. You go from 15th in scoring well, to seventh by those two plays turning yeah. out differently. And give them the Jefferson fumble, too. Yes. I mean, he's at the one okay. there. He's down That's the, the one. other one. <laughs> okay, let's tack that on. So hold on. So they've scored. That's a touchdown. Plus 21. 90. Okay, so they'd be. 30 points a game. They would be tied with the San Francisco 49ers at 30 points a game, third in the NFL, if not for three turnovers on the goal line. 
So yeah. as much as we can, that's but that's the crazy thing about this team. They're zero and three. They're garbage. Well, well, they've had three crazy turnovers at the goal line. That if they convert those to touchdowns, which they were doing last year more often in those scenarios, they would be the they would probably be two and one. Let's say maybe three and zero, oh, but two and one. They'd be they two beat and the one. Bucks and Chargers for sure. And, and they'd be the third highest scoring offense in the NFL going into Carolina, and the whole conversation would feel different. Completely different, and and the maddening thing is, is this: um, if you take away, like, let's just say that that last play where Hawkinson didn't catch the ball does not work. Okay, so let's just say that doesn't work. Hawkinson actually, when he got stripped of the ball on the first drive on Sunday, he got stripped at the Chargers seventeen. Yeah, so that's a that's a red zone possession given up. Yep. Like it's it, like again, this is the thing. I it's hard for me to credit their opponents a ton when I really think. It's their own undoing. It is stopping them from at least two, two and one. And I don't know that I completely agree with Patrick. I think the Philadelphia game was there at times. Yeah. I I mean, at the end of the day, like, like you're probably going to lose it, but it was there at times, but you don't know where the game flow is going to go to. That's why it's hard to say they'd for sure be three and oh, because, okay, let's give you an extra touchdown. Well, do they then respond differently if the game flow is different? But, um, so they should be second in yards per play and third in points per game, if not for three goal line turnovers. Instead, they're 15 in points per game. They're 13th in expected points added, and they're 16th in DVOA, which is uh, another just sort of all-encompassing offensive metric. I will say this about the Philadelphia game, because the fans were booing the the Eagles offense in the first quarter. If, you, if, um, if Jefferson doesn't fumble and they, they score, though, if your offense could have had you playing from from ahead in that game, Philadelphia does not start to run nearly as much. Yeah, like, they probably don't run down thirteen the, times on one drive. No, because then now you got to score more. So, like, there's just been it, it's really maddening because of what the Vikings have done to hurt themselves in every game, but especially the two home games. Yeah, no and this it. and this Brian Flores defense, it's really made and designed to pass rush. And if you know, we we know that you're going to throw the ball because you're down by ten points, and we're going to make your life miserable. And it just hasn't been in the Vikings DNA the last two years or really at any point in the Kirk Cousins era going back six years to just have big leads on a regular basis. That's not no. that's not the type of quarterback he is. It's not the type of team that they've been or they haven't been good enough. They don't they don't get 14 point leads very often on opponents. I think it's fair to say this. Um, and I, I think we actually talked about this in training camp. And unfortunately, the Vikings haven't followed through. But I think it's very fair to say that because this is an offense-first team, which, by the way, has some very talented players, the margin for error on offense is incredibly small. The margin for error on defense is going to be, and I don't think we're shocked by this, pretty damn big. So, so like, you cannot say, at the end of the day, if you say, oh, man, the defense screwed, no, they did. You, you, if you take away, heck, like, like you said, let's just take away three big mistakes offensively, it's an entirely different story. And then we're t- talking about, okay, the defense is doing enough at that point at two and one, the defense is doing enough and the offense is pulling its way completely. Mm-hmm. Like the, like the one thing I didn't allow for in training camp is that the offense w- would have what amounts to in three games, so many gong show possessions. Yeah. And, but, but, this is where I keep getting sucked back in a little bit to this team when I think about it. It's not like the Bears the Bears 0-3 is different than the Vikings 0-3. Because yes. the Bears, you're trying to figure out, what do we even hang our hat on? We've got, 
we probably have to go back to the quarterback drawing board. Our offensive line's still terrible. We somehow came away from an offseason with the most and highest draft capital and cap space and still can't field a competitive football team. We're getting embarrassed by Taylor Swift memes all Sunday long, right? The Vikings are sitting here, and I know it's 0-3, and we've been pounding them, and people are critical and ready to tank and all these things. But if you're internally looking at these things and you can say, there's, there's definitely not... Uh, it's definitely not perfect. There's definitely things to fix. But if three goal line turnovers go the other way, how do we feel about this thing? And so that's where I keep getting, like, if they beat the Panthers, then we'll right. see what the Chiefs, I, I keep getting sucked back in when I look at just the way and the process by which they've lost these games. And so. I think we just need a larger sample size of the offense too, because in 2020, people hanged ahead. Oh, they had a top five offense. They had a top five offense in yards and they were 11th in points. They were fourth in yards. They were 11th in points. That was a discrepancy. Now that 2020 team got off to a worst type, in my opinion, of 0-3, 1-5 start where they were in garbage time a ton. You rack up a lot of yards. You don't get all the points in general. And so you kind of saw there was some fraudulentness to the yard saying that they were a top five offense. I think we need to see this play out a little bit more. Don't get as unlucky with the turnovers deep in the red zone. And then maybe you can kind of see where the discrepancy is between the yards and the points. Yeah. On Kirk Cousins specifically, we'll give you every week here on Thursdays, we'll give you the state of Kirk Cousins in some key categories. So he's second in the NFL among quarterbacks. I'm sorry, uh, third in passer rating. He's 12th in QBR. He's eighth in PFF grade, and he's ninth in expected points added. So by all these metrics, he's solidly a top 10 quarterback. I know there's a lot of Cousins Crusaders who are going to be like, top 10, pish posh. He leads the NFL in yards and like, look at the counting stats. Well, yes, he does lead the NFL in passing yards, in part because the Vikings have the highest pass ratio. They're literally throwing the ball on 75% of offensive plays. So he's racking up more attempts than other quarterbacks. Uh, But he is off to a a good start. There's been some turnovers, a couple fumbles where you can blame the offensive line, but you also got to hang on to the ball. Overall, I think we would take this start of the season for Kirk Cousins. Here's what I want to start with with these categories. Pass protection. Because I, I hear it again the first three weeks. The offensive line is so garbage. And, we, and of course, like Ed Ingram is probably going to get benched, rightfully so, for Dalton Reisner this week. Ben Baldwin put together aggregate pass protection ratings after the first three weeks. So he took PFF's offensive line. This is just pass protection. Offensive line grades. He took uh, ESPN's and then SIS. I don't know what SIS is. Sports sure information. Um, I, I I know what it is. I'm blanking on it, but okay. another another solutions. Yeah, Sports info it. solutions. Yeah, it's probably Sports it is. info yes. solutions. Yeah, yes. Yeah. See, the, the show can figure things out. There we go. So yeah. three Problem three solving. prominent offensive line sort of scouting services and metrics here. Sure. And by by all of these put together, the Vikings have had the fourth best pass protection unit in the NFL. Now, the Dolphins have had number one, the Packers number two, and the Buffalo Bills number three. And then it goes Vikings, Chiefs, Browns, into Raiders, Buccaneers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, If you're just watching Vikings games, you're going to see the warts, you're going to see the flaws. But the reality is even the best offensive lines in the NFL are giving up pressures on 20 to 30% of snaps, 20 to 25%. You can't watch an NFL game and for three hours, it's like, boy, that offensive line was a literal brick wall. 
these 260-pound edge rushers weren't penetrating at all, right? You're going to deal with some pressure. And the Vikings offensive line has been the fourth best pass protection unit through the first few weeks of the season. It is. Um, so this is really intriguing. In some ways, I feel like with the Kirk stats, we're now going back to life before 2022 because the stats are impressive. The stats are great. But as we talked about on this show before 2022 and then when some of the stats dropped last season, we don't care about the stats. We care about the production. We care about the wins. We care about when you do things. Eight comeback wins last year was impressive. It's why when you praise him for that, that you have to be acutely aware of what his role in the end of the game loss was on Sunday. Yes. TJ Hawkinson, it would be nice to catch that ball, but he also, but Kirk also played a, a role. So the thing is, look, Kirk's 35, okay? He's never been mobile, and I've always contended, and it's my contention, but I've always contended he doesn't really feel pressure well. Some guys do, some guys don't. He doesn't. So, like, I guess this isn't a huge surprise that, you know, Kirk needs so much time, un- unless it's a, a design boot, he needs so much time back in the pocket to do things. Um, and I feel like we're now getting back to where the Crusaders are like, well, nothing's his fault. What are you talking about? The stats are great. And we've been the one thing that we've been incredibly consistent about on this show, and I will continue to say it is I don't really care about the stats. I care about what he does in pressure situations, and I care about the wins. And so this is a team thing again. But I am not surprised that the line is playing well or that the line is pass protecting well. Um, I, the only thing that I will say is that I would like to see a breakdown of where the hits come from and when, because I do think the interior the, in, the interior hits are tougher, and I think that's why Reisner is here. Because Ingram doesn't consistently fail as much, perhaps, and he actually had a good game on Sunday. But when you do see him struggle, it's bad because Kirk he, takes some hits. He had a good game in run blocking on Sunday. He gave okay. up six pressures in pass. He gets he's, pushed around. He's given up the second most pressures by a guard in the NFL. Overall, the line has held up collectively well. Ed Ingram is the weak link, and so replacing him with Dalton Reisner seems like a no-brainer going into the Panthers yep. game. I also think that we need to get, um, because I think when we think about the protection of Kirk, we actually do just think about his hits. Like, oh, Kirk got hit. Kirk, oh, man, oh, I'm hurt. Um, but the reality is this. Uh, what they're also examining, and they have to, is how the pocket just ho- holds up. Like, watch um, Ingram on film. He literally gets pushed around, like back towards Kirk. Like, he's mm-hmm. coming back towards Kirk. And it's not that that guy's going to sack Kirk, but yeah. it disrupts a pocket that if the longer it holds up, and this is also on Kirk, the more Kirk is a success. But you're not going to, at this point in time, one, Kirk's not going to become more athletic because he's aging, and two, you know exactly who Kirk is. There's no yeah, surprises here. And and he's, not, you know, we did sort of a, we did the breakdown of the Brian Flores defense sending 85% blitz rate at Justin Herbert, and how did those not get home with Alex Boone on trenches earlier this week? And it's incredible how get a guy like Herbert or you get a guy like Patrick Mahomes or even the next level of athletic ability, Josh Allen and some of these, you know, Lamar Jackson. If the right guard gets pushed back, they just scootily doot, just, just, or I'm just going to sprint left, stay behind, or yeah, or they flick it with crazy, you know, athletic ability. And And so Kirk does need a cleaner pocket off. When you give that guy a clean pocket, he is likely going to dissect you. So 
it's just um it's just notable that but but like just to put a bow on this he's playing largely really really well kirk cousins is and if we could go back to the points per game yards disparity and go back to those three plays that if those three plays were different those turnovers on the goal line one of them was a fumble by jefferson the other two were interceptions if those three plays were different they'd be 2 and 1 minimum and they would have a top three offense in both points and yards. And we would be sitting here saying, wow, what an amazing, you're about to go three and one, bring on the Chiefs, bring on the Swifties in week five, right? So as we as we continue to drill down, okay, let's let's examine those two play. Those were two huge high leverage plays that could have swung the game and they were interceptions. I know that the, 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 the hardcore Kirk Cousins defenders look at those throws and say, hey, man, that ball hit KJ Osborne and TJ Hawkinson in the hands. Those are those are perfect throws. It hit those guys in the hands. Those are professional receivers. They have to catch those footballs. On the other side, you might look and say, those are two very risky, heavily trafficked, tight window throws. And those are receivers that are on the move across the goal line going laterally. And it's not a gimme that they're going to catch that football. And if they don't, there's two defenders, maybe three right there to pick off a pass. Was there a better option on the play? Was the wheel route well, to Alexander yeah. Madison the cleaner path to a touchdown? Right. I want Kirk to be throwing tight window passes in certain situations. I want him to be aggressive. You have to sort of live with mistakes like this. I, if I'm the Vikings, what I'm hanging my hat on is you're not going to have turnovers at that rate for the rest of the season. So if you can keep moving the ball like you are and get to right. the doorstep of the end zone, it's not always going to be an interception, and there might be some wins on the horizon. So the thing about that last drive on Sunday, and I think pe- people got confused because they're like, well, if Hawkins can catch the ball, it's fine. One, I said, what I said was, okay, but I'd prefer to spike the ball. I don't care if the Chargers match my personnel and then run a play from a calm situation. Yep. What really what really irked me now is that including some – Vikings employees, they're saying, well, the fans were so loud they couldn't focus, oh, so they couldn't catch God. it. Well, I, if you can't do but, – but here's the thing. That's an indictment on Kirk. Blame then. the fans. If, right, but if the fans are unnecessarily loud, you have to spike that ball. It's first down. But the play where Kirk really messed up was not any of that from a, from a throw standpoint, including the hawk throw. It was the first down – and Kirk talked about this to Osborne. He overshoots KJ on – and look, if you're going to throw it to KJ – you got to know you're not throwing it to, you know, if you're throwing that to JJ, you overshoot him. I'm guessing he catches it because he's Justin Jefferson. But if you go back and look, and Kirk talked about this, and he's exactly right, the first down pass, they they essentially, when they got the ball back after the Chargers didn't get the first down on the fourth down stupid run where, where they didn't just sneak the ball, um, he goes right for it, which I actually love. Mm-hmm. He tries to dagger him, and he overthrows KJ. If that throws on the mark, guess what? We're never talking about any of this. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Yep. And by the way, I looked at. Uh, well, let's get into red zone here. Red zone. Red zones. Because this is all kind of all of this. The problem, if you will, offensively is red zone. You've. It's just. It's turnovers or it's. 
you know, they, yeah. they had it's funny because we're focused on the one interception in the red zone. They had nine other red zone plays over the, those last two drives, which at, you're, you're within range, man. Any of those could be touchdowns. If yep. you block the run right, it could be. I know it sounds crazy. You can run the ball from the 12 and break a touchdown run. It is legal in the NFL. I don't know if you watch the Dolphins game. They're breaking touchdown runs from 40 yards out. You, you can sure? do it from 12 yards out. You can also complete a pass on second down, you know, from the 13-yard line that's a touchdown. But red zone failures are a huge theme for the 0-3 start here. The Vikings, like I said, ran 10 plays in the red zone over their last two drives last week, down by four the whole time, chance to win the game, 10 red zone plays, zero points. Mm -hmm. The Vikings are 21st in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage. So for comparison... The Vikings have scored touchdowns on only 50% of their trips into the red zone. The Dolphins, 80%. The Packers, Chiefs, and Browns, all over 75% to the first three games. So, you know, Jordan Love is getting in. Now, one of the biggest differences between Jordan Love and Kirk Cousins is when you get to the eight-yard line or the four-yard line, well, I'll just run this thing. I'll just, I think I'll just tuck this and run it in. Kirk doesn't do a lot of that because he's not as athletic. So right. Kirk Cousins this season has the third worst red zone passer rating among all NFL quarterbacks. The two interceptions are that we've already talked about are sort of derailing his passer rating, but he's also only completed 47% of his passes in the red zone, which is also bottom five in the league. So, you know, if you're, if you're not going to be accurate or you're not going to find receivers open or whatever it is, or there's going to be pre- like, you can't just flush out if you're him. Oh, I'm just going to handle this myself. You know, Dante Culpepper once scored like 10 rushing touchdowns in a season for the Vikings, right? That doesn't really exist for Kirk. Now, historically, Kirk Cousins is actually excellent in the red zone. I went back and looked at all of his red zone throws on stathead.com from the day he signed with the Vikings and all the other quarterbacks in the NFL since that time. And since joining the Vikings, Cousins is fourth among all quarterbacks in red zone passer rating behind only Drew Brees, Andrew Luck before he retired. And Jameis Winston is actually really good in the red zone. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's, he's, also, he's, a, he's a big guy. He can see over the fray. Can, right. I don't know. Can run a bit. Yep. So sure. historically, he's really good in the red zone this year. He has not been nearly as good. And the Vikings as a whole are just not converting trips to the red zone into touchdowns. So did you, you in, in doing that bit of research, did you happen to see if a lot of that uh, red zone productivity from Kirk came with Thielen out there? Uh, I feel I, like I, Thielen, I, I feel like Thielen was a red zone was, but, but that doesn't excuse it. I'm just saying, I feel like, yeah. he, you know, Kirk's big on comfort. Kyle Rudolph too, by the way, for the first few years. Yeah. I know you, I know you love him. He's one, one of my favorite players, but anyway, it, it is, it's interesting because he wants, and, and I'll side with Kirk here. It's very clear at this point that he wants Hawkinson to be like a key guy there, which by the way, he should be. And, and he did convert that, uh, fourth down pass to Hawkinson. But again, I'll go back to this and I will, I will bang this drum until I'm blue in the face. I think this is, I think, (laughs) I think skull. I think this is where it's a big deal that he missed training camp. I really think it's a big deal that he missed the timing. Like, cause, cause you think, you know, if you're between the twenties, right? Or heck, if you're from from your own goal line to to the opposing twenty, 
The world is your oyster. You got a lot of you got a lot of blank canvas. There's more space to operate. There's space, right? Right, yeah. blank canvas. Like if yeah. you're a painter, you you got a whole thing to paint. But the red zone puts you in a very small portal, and and preciseness there is yeah. absolutely imperative. Um, and when you see like like when Hawkinson drops that that ball, I think the the reaction is, well, he's just got to catch that ball. But it's all about timing. It's all about the matchup, right? There's a so, hand in his. I, I definitely think he should have caught that ball. Yeah, but it is not a high like with with a hand in your face. It, the it's point not is not a high percentage play. Precision is king in the red zone, and there's no question that Thielen and Kirk, or to go back to your point, Kyle Rudolph and Kirk at one time had had that. And I really think that that's what you can see lacking, uh, which is why I think he wants to trust KJ. KJ makes Kirk comfortable. It's just unfortunate that KJ is not taller and he certainly is not, he's not Jefferson or even close. And he's probably not even Addison at this point. So I yeah. really think it's the precision that is lacking completely, which is creating problems. And I don't know that Addison is going to be a solution because if you, if you really want to get meat and potatoes and dive deep here, I saw Football. our guy, Miles Gorham from the Purple Daily on Draft Show, which you can find with Declan and also Tyler Fornes every Monday on the Purple Daily YouTube channel, Apple, and Spotify. He had a video he put up. Somebody else had, he retweeted something, and it was Jordan Addison just getting jammed and dropped to the ground multiple what, times against the Eagles. He's not great in press coverage yet. Yeah. If, he, if he can get a free run off the line and not have you know hands on his small frame, yeah. boom, you see it. Like He'll score a touchdown from 40 yards out. In the red zone, you're not getting a free run off the line of scrimmage from the four yard line very often. So, I don't. So that's why, if you look at red zone targets, Justin Jefferson and T.J. Hawkinson are tied for the most red zone targets, and then K.J. Osborne's in there somewhere. I think Addison might only have like one or two red zone targets because he's just not. He's not a guy that you're going to trust to get off the line necessarily and and be open in the corner yet. Anyways, yes, ideally, I I think what the Vikings lack uh, completely right now is the trust in a running back who can catch the ball there. Cause that's also a, a great option. I will say Kirk passing up Madison on that one wheel route was weird, but I wonder if that goes back to earlier in that game, Madison just flat out dropped a red zone pass and Kirk, no question about this. When you lose Kirk's trust, yeah, it's gone for, it's gone for a while. So I wonder if he if he saw that and thought, screw it, I tried that before and it got dropped. So like I I just think that there's a lot of continuity things here that hopefully improve, but I think right now we can definitely see it's not there. Yeah, and then my last category before we get to a random Viking of the week here is so much for establishing the run. Now they did a better job of this; they ran the ball pretty well in the third game, but so I'm just kind of looking at the first three games collectively here. The Vikings this season have 75% passes and 25% runs as their pass-run ratio. That is the number one pass ratio in the league. So they came in, they said, we're going to, all right, we got a little too pass-happy there last year. We're going to go heavier personnel. We're going to bring in Josh Oliver. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna have a running back by committee, and guys are going to be fresh but they are running the ball even less than they were last year. 19th in yards per carry, which is actually up from last week because they, they averaged like five yards on the ground last week. Uh, the Vikings have nine rushing first downs, which is second to last in the NFL. The Eagles have 37. 
The Eagles come into every single game yeah, and they say, we are going to on week two, Phil. We are going to flatten you and take your soul from your body. Yeah. yeah, they had a lot against the Vikings. That's what San Francisco does, too. We're going to kick your ass. Yeah. And the Vikings haven't entirely bailed on heavy personnel because Josh Oliver's out there quite a bit. They're doing a lot of 12 personnel. But C.J. Ham, they, they had aspirations of a lot of what's called 21 personnel, two running backs, a tight end. This is what the Dolphins do a lot of, what the 49ers do a lot of. And uh, C.J. Ham played 22 snaps in week one. He played, like, almost half the game. He played eight snaps last week. So they've they've kind of bailed on... CJ Ham's going to be our use check, or they should, or whoever the Dolphins guy is, and uh, he's kind of back to being like eight snap CJ Ham. So to, to get uh, play called geeky here, I do have a question though, and I, this confused me more Good than ball. it did. Like I can fix this, but they came out and ran the ball on, on their opening possession against the Chargers. Madison ran the ball five consecutive times, which is okay. That's a lot, but you're going to run. You're going to run. Uh, what I don't understand is so so you establish that, and then on second down and eight, your first pass, and you're at the Chargers twenty six by now. Your first pass is a no gain to Oliver. Here's what I don't understand: if you're going to establish the run, which I appreciate, I think you're doing it to to set up play action. How does Justin Jefferson get no targets in the first quarter? Like I would yeah. think that that would be the whole point. Like it's it's not like it's not like we're asking O'Connell to become the seventy five Steelers with Franco Harris. Like you're doing this to establish, okay, they might run play action. We got to pay attention. We bite on that now. Bang, big play. Yeah, and of course, like my comeback to that would be, I know that Justin Jefferson was silent in the first quarter and change of the third game, but zooming back out to the full season so far. He has a 50-yard oh, yeah. lead over the next closest receiver in terms of receiving yards so far this year. He's averaging 17 yards per reception, and he has 20 first downs. Like, it's him and Tyreek Hill and then the yeah. rest of the league in terms of productivity. So even this is the crazy thing. Even the threat of running the ball so far has led to a lot of great bootleg chunk plays and Justin Jefferson. I get that in the first quarter, they probably missed a couple chances to leverage Justin Jefferson, but overall, they've done a great job. Like he's on pace once again to be one of the most productive receivers, like in the history of the NFL for a single season. The most important S in my life is not stats; it's situations. I'm a situational guy. I need the situations improved. Yeah, red zone is a big one. Give me the situation. Biggest situation. Yeah. But I mean, just you know, Kevin, home games. Look up, I'm in the corner of the press box, and if I give you one of these, let's go play action and deep. So a thumb, a thumbs up a means thumbs up. play action a deep, up. Jefferson, up. or, if, or Jeff- if, the, if the safety is hovering too this far over here, then maybe Addison. This is Jefferson. This is Kalen. This is KJ. Like, let's Jordan, not do Jordan, that. Jordan Addison. Who's, K- oh, who's oh. Kalen Addison? That's a hockey player. That's a, oh, that's they, yeah, 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 player, that's right, yeah. Which I've said before. Oh, okay, so Jordan Addison is sideways. K.J. Osborne is like, let's not do that. No, 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 no. I think when KJ, when KJ, uh, he, he did kind of a, he kind of looked up into the air at the fans and the media in a snarky way after making a play. Um, I think I think he's hearing the, the, the criticism and the negativity. Well, he's hearing okay. the crowd because the Vikings can't concentrate. Their own fans are sabotaging them. Don't you know that? 
Well, a quarterback, this is where, again, like you're blaming Kirk, a quarterback with some sense there would immediately tell the crowd to, to well, no, like, just spike the ball just spike or spike the, the ball, ball and let everything calm stop down. The, but, stop the but clock. now we're blaming Kirk for the second, uh, you know, best points per game offense. Hey, a shout out to our friends at Ugly Deck and Ugly Deck dot com here, Judd. Most definitely. In fact, it's called Ugly Deck because that's what they inherit. But look at this right here. You're saying, Judd, that's not an Ugly Deck. That's a gorgeous deck. And that is because UglyDeck.com right now offering a Reserve My Deck package now special for the DIYer who wants to build a deck in the spring and save huge money. For a a limited number of customers who reserve their deck package now, UglyDeck.com, offering up to $1,000 off a full deck package. Look at that. Plus, locked in 2023 pricing, UglyDeck.com will then deliver your deck package to your driveway by May 1st of next year, and you'll be the smartest DIYer on the block. You know what you could save as much as, hold on a second here. I'll say it slow because it's staggering. Ten grand. You could save as much as 10000 bucks with Ugly Deck. You get free plans, a free coach. It's like a position coach in football. Access to their online deck build academy, and they will install your footings and ledger. You do the rest and save. UglyDeck.com is where you go. Click on the Reserve My Deck package now. Save ten grand and have yourself not an Ugly Deck, but a beautiful deck next spring. Yes, uh, a shout out to our friends over at Three Jack. Just a great place to uh, congregate if you enjoy golf, sports, and amazing food. Declan, all my favorite things right there. Okay, you got uh, you got your golf simulator bays, you got your loaded nachos, you got drink specials, you got beers on tap. It's uh, one of my favorite spots in the North Loop. They have game day specials too. So if you're looking to watch the Vikings game, go to Three Jack. If you're looking for a little lunchtime or a little happy hour with your friends or coworkers, go to Three Jack. You can book these simulator bays at 3jack and 3jack.com. And you know what? Order two of the loaded nachos. Don't just get one. Even if it's just two of you, order a second one. I promise it'll be worth it. Go to 3jack and 3jack.com. Yes. Always get the second nacho. Always Always get the second nacho. And uh, our friends at Federated Insurance are, you know, they're just as good as the uh, purple offensive line, which is fourth in pass protection, except they're number one when it comes to protecting your business. Going back to 1904, which is when Federated was founded. They're based in Minnesota, but they work with companies and business owners all around the country. And Federated's corporate culture is grounded in equity, integrity, teamwork, and respect. And these four cornerstones create the foundation that supports all of their interactions and decision-making. If you want to find out how Federated can offer a guiding hand for your business, go to federatedinsurance.com, where it's our business to protect yours. It's time for a random Viking of the week here on Purple Daily. So here's how it works. If you're uh, maybe you're new here, maybe you're just stumbling into this show for the first time this season. For the last two years, we have had a feisty competition every Thursday called Random Viking of the Week, where uh, one of us throws out clues and the other two battle each other's historical wits. So last week, um, I threw out Carl Eller, and then we showed the uh, the eight-year-old Phil Mackey interview with Carl Eller from awesome. 30 years ago. That's very cool. People love that. You can find that on the YouTube channel. So Carl Eller, uh, and then Dwayne Clemens, Judd's on a two-week winning streak here. Before that, it was Mo Williams, Hank Basket, Bubby Brister, Asher Allen, and Lito Shepard are the most recent Lito. random Vikings. We go losers out. Dex lost last week, so he will throw clues out to Judd and me. All time, Judd has 59 wins in Random Viking of the Week. Declan, 29. I have 13. I just kind of started in the new era. In the new era, 
Judd has seven, I have five, and Declan has three. So uh, Declan can throw out some clues here. We get up to three incorrect guesses each. If we hit the third one, it means we're eliminated. That's the risk you take here for being aggressive. What do we got here, Dex? All right, let's go here. This random Viking of the Week played in 18 NFL games. Oh, I love it. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it's not Henry Blanco because he never did play football. <laughs> no, it's not. It is not Henry Blanco. I can guarantee you that one. Or Mike Madonna. Okay. Uh, in high school, this guy was a stud. Five-star recruit by rivals. The top player at his position when he came out of high school. Okay, I'm going to... I'm going to control F. I'm, I'm going to control F something. So I'm on the computer. Is it Ty Detmer? That official guess? Mm-hmm. Okay. Judd? I'm control Fing something. Keep going. Okay. We have a list of the of the players we've mm-hmm. used before. Right. That's what we're control right. Fing. I'm on that right now. Yep. I'm above board, folks. Beyond reproach. This random Viking of the week had a very good college career as well in the SEC. I'm glad I didn't guess what I was going to guess. All right. This random Viking of the week was a fourth round draft pick. Was this guy uh, control effing again? Was this guy? Um, he was a fourth round pick. Oh, okay, I'm going. Spurgeon to- win. Spurgeon win. Official guess. Ah. Oh, I'm almost I'm almost eager to allow you to to walk right into the grave now. Oh, this, this changed my strategy. I was going to take a guess. Were you going to guess Spurgeon win? No, no, I don't think Spurgeon win was, was he wasn't a fourth round pick, was he? I don't know. I don't think he was a fourth round pick. Clearly, he wasn't. SEC <laughs> five star. Oh, okay. I wait, wait, wait. But eighteen games is a lot for for who I'm thinking of. 18 games. Are you thinking quarterback? It's got to be a quarterback. I'm not talking. No, maybe. I don't know. Not tipping my hand. This random bike of the week played for two NFL coaches. He only played for the Vikings. Tyson. Okay, so it's not who I thought it was. So Tice and Childress or Childress and Leslie. Okay. After being released from the Vikings, he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars to saying, quote, no matter what I did in my NFL career, I just wanted to Troy wear Williamson. a Jaguars uniform. Troy Williamson, official guess. He was, a, he was also a first-round pick. That was a panic guess by Jordan. That was a panic guess. Well, I was thinking Jacksonville. That was a panic guess. That was like me. With, yeah. But you know what? I'm only down one. That was like me two. saying Latroy Hawkins yesterday, even though he was from Venezuela. I just, I just popped oh, right. in my Fourth head quick. Venezuela. Like, Venezuela. Latroy Hawkins. 
Fourth Denny Hockey. Fourth round pick. Good point. Yeah, you know what? I did panic, but I'm only down one. <laughs> I'm only down one. You know what I did? I didn't spike the ball, but it was the first quarter, so I'm fine. I don't care. Um, all right. So he signed. I'm sorry. So he signed with Jacksonville to finish his NFL career. He only logged NFL games with the Vikings. He was first team all SEC coming out of the draft. He won the Fergie Ferguson Award, recognizing a team member who displayed outstanding leadership, character, and courage at the University of Florida. Theatric phase on. God dang it! Yeah! Yeah! Take that panic! You want the panic? Ugh. There's no panic there. <laughs> wow! Take that! I really wanted to give this clue. He had 50 NFL touches and five touchdowns. That's pretty. That's pretty good touchdown yeah. rate right there. He averaged 1.9 yards per attempt for the 2005 Vikings on four touchdowns. Dang it. Couldn't think of his name fast enough there. Nice job, Judd. Judd with three consecutive wins. Back. Talking trash, that Joe. Talking trash. I came came with some trash. All right, it's my turn next week. I'm updating our little standing sheet. Judd with his 60th career victory there. Thank you. 60 career victories. I'd like to apologize for my Troy. (laughs) (laughs) They were teammates. They were teammates. They were indeed, and, and, and he did end in Jacksonville, and, yeah. and he was in SEC, South Carolina, right? You know, we have, I don't know if they have any Seatric Faison stuff, but you can get, we should put some Seatric Faison collectibles up on the uh, collectible shop. Where are we going to find it? <laughs> That's a good question. Find one. Message them. Scorenorth.com slash shop, where uh, you can click on the merchandise store. We've got our Before I Die swag, Victory Monday. Haven't been able to wear that one yet this year. Uh, if you go to scorenorth.com slash shop and click on collectibles powered by our friends at Universal Sports Auctions, you can get your hands. Uh, these are all buy it nows, by the way. There's a Jordan Addison custom autographed jersey. The best seller on the purple side has been the Justin Jefferson one-handed catch framed and signed that Buffalo game. Put that in your man cave, your office. Scornorth.com slash shop. Click on collectibles. And um, if you use the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, at checkout, you can get 10% off site-wide. Also, Judd, tell our audience about our friends at the Minnesota State Lottery for a second. You know, the purple aren't winning, but you can still win with that scratch-off ticket. Eh? And it's this simple right here, right here. It's upside down. Now it's right side up. And when it's right side up, it's uh, it's very valuable, only 5 bucks. Uh, this is the new... Viking scratch game, and of course the, the official scratch game from the Minnesota State Lottery of the team. You can win up to one hundred thousand dollars or second chance prizes that include season tickets or an away game trip. It's officially exciting. The Minnesota Lottery say I'm in. Must be eighteen or older to play, and again can win up to one hundred thousand dollars. Amen. All right, uh, all right. It's your state of the offense here, your random Viking of the week. Remember, on Fridays, we go live on the Purple Daily YouTube channel at 10 o'clock a.m. Central Time for Feedback Friday. We are also live for Vikings Ventline this week from Park Tavern in St. Louis Park right after Vikings games end. And then 9 o'clock, we do live streams the day after Vikings games, 9 o'clock a.m. Central Time, all on the Purple Daily YouTube channel. If you give us a five-star rating and a positive review on the Apple and Spotify 
podcast pages. You can help us keep growing this awesome community of Vikings fans. Vikings therapy every day for you here on Purple Daily.